Joyride podcast. John is my name. And Ian is my name. And we speak to you on the 20th of September in the year of our Lord 20. We do. A lot of 20s today. Mm. Um, And it's a gorgeous day where I am. Where are you, Ian? I am where I usually am in my house. (laughs) Which sounded very much like the start of an only excuse sketch there. Actually, I just realised that. (laughs) Almost every single time um, they did Chick Young. He would always go, ha, 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 I am here, which is where I am, which is standing here. That was how all the Chick Youngs... Cause, I mean, Chick Young never says that, but that no. was always Jonathan Watson's hilarious Chick Young impression. Yes. Which I just realised this about that. His only good impression. Yeah, that's true. Um, so he, used to do, he used to do a good impression of Dennis Law. <laughs> right? You know, he used to do a good impression of Dennis Law, and it sounded like Dennis Law. Right, and then he started doing a different impression of Dennis Law, and it was rubbish. Mm, he used to fair. do. He used because Dennis Law kind of. Oh, yeah, he sort of speaks a bit like that. Nah. He sounds a bit like Zippy from Rainbow. And then, <laughs> for some reason, he started going. Well, you know, as you say, well, you know, as you say, which didn't sound anything like Dennis Law. It was terrible. His Graham Soonis, his Graham Soonis one was all right as well, actually. To be honest, that's true. Um, so welcome, listener, to the only an excuse Jonathan Watson happy hour. <laughs> oh, do you know something? Actually, you know, what? last week off microphone, you and I were chatting about Graham Souness and his trainers. Yes, I heard two different radio shows talking about that this week. Really? So it's not just us. Yeah, we have the pulse of the nation. <laughs> I heard two different. One was a media podcast, and one was a football podcast, and they were both mentioning the fact that Graham Souness was wearing trainers, which you and I talked about, not on our podcast, annoyingly, but we talked about that last weekend. We did. Yeah. Oh, Pulse of the Nation. Pulse of the Nation. But anyway, how are we? To the nation. How are we, John? Oh, oh, I think it's been quite a difficult week yeah. this week in terms of just... Not, I mean, my, my own personal life's fine, but in terms of the wider... Mm. Just the wider country and the wider community with which we live, it's getting more and more of a struggle, I think. It is a bit. And you know, you said this was the year of our Lord, 2020. I think this should really be the year of Baroness Dido Harding, to be honest. <laughs> because, I, do you know, I hate the way they all talk about Baroness Dido Harding. And they always call her, they just call her Dido, like the singer. Like, just like Cher. Yeah. Like, she's not Dido Harding. She's not Baroness Harding. She's just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dido's totally got this. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Dido's running a great team. Yeah, I hate that. I really hate that. Well, yeah, because I, I hate when people just call Boris Johnson Boris. Yes. And that annoys me. Um, yeah, because people don't call Keir Starmer Keir. No. No, um, it just doesn't happen. We didn't call no, Theresa May Theresa, just Theresa. Yeah. Ma- Major, Blair, Cameron, May, mm-hmm. Brown. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we don't call them Boris. You no. know, the thing is, Margaret Thatcher got called Maggie, but it was, a, it was, a, it was by people like ourselves who would say it was a sneer. Yes, we'd usually say it three times and then follow that with out, out, out. Exactly. <laughs> when we were on the picket line marching with the miners. Exactly. Um, I did attend one um, CND march when I was about eight or so, and I'm sure I must have been chanting Maggie, Maggie, Maggie out, out, out 
Yeah, I get dragged to something with my mum, and I did that too when I was a wee boy. Yeah, I mean, fair play. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I am struggling a bit this week, and I'm struggling with the fact that just the rank incompetence and the rank hypocrisy that we're currently living through is 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 making it really a struggle. I think I think it's hard to find silver linings this week. Mm. Are there any silver linings this week? Well, it's a. I don't know. I can't think of any. I no. can't think of anything that's kind of gives you sort of a sense of hope um, that we're going to get out of this anytime soon. Mm. You know, um, just because the whole point, and I think I spoke about this last week, and it is a bit of a hobby horse that I find myself talking about with pretty much everybody, is the whole point, the whole point of that lockdown that we did in March and April wasn't actually to you know, try and save the old people in the care homes. I mean, because obviously we didn't and they no. messed that up. Um, was It was supposed to buy us time. Mm. The whole point of it was about buying us time so that we could get the ventilators that we need. And more importantly, we could get a test and trace system up and running so that when you opened up the economy, when you opened up civil society, then we would be able to ride whatever storms came. Yeah, and yet when Dido, I'm just going to call her Dido, um, <laughs> when she was appearing in front of the select committee this week, she said, well, we never really expected there to be such a demand for testing. So, you know, we didn't bother factoring that into our test and trace yeah. project. And it does, it feels as if it's like, it's like when a dog smells its own fart. They're acting as if they're surprised by the fact that you know, they've opened up the economy, they've opened schools, and the numbers have started to go up. So, of course, there are more people needing tests. But they, like, she genuinely seemed like she was like, God, we, we had no idea that was going to happen. <laughs> we just yes. didn't know. We didn't know there'd be more people with it and they would need more tests. Um, and it is, it's absolutely, it's ridiculous. And, and at PMQs this week, um, Boris, you know, he was, he was asked, it was Angela Rayner doing it this week because Keir Starmer mm. was still isolating. And she said to him, like, you know, this the, the 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 testing numbers are just not good enough. You know, you're 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 barely able to process. And that's the thing, it's the processing that matters. Yeah. You're only able to do about sixty thousand tests a day. And you're talking about your operation moonshot. Um and then Boris is like, Well, actually, you know, we've got the numbers up to two hundred and fifty thousand and we're hoping by October it's gonna be five hundred thousand. And yeah, that's we, we have the capacity to do those tests, but if you don't have the capacity to then analyze those tests on a daily basis, what is the point? I mean, right now they are testing you know, somewhere in the region of 200,000 people a day, but they're only analysing 60,000 tests. Yeah. And they're doing that every day. So the log jam just builds and builds and builds. And if that's the, if someone does a test and they have to wait six days to get the results back, it completely defeats the purpose of the test and trace system. Exactly. And it's, and that's the thing. And later on in the day, um, I think we're going to talk more about this stuff later on, but later on in the day, he was, he was um, sat in front of the chairs of all the yeah, 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 yeah. And they said, you know, how can you possibly expect to be getting to 10 million tests a day um, if you can't even process more than 60,000 at the moment? And he's like, I, I don't know where you're getting that 10 million figure from. He actually said he had no idea why they were bringing up 10 million tests a day. And it's like, that's what you said last Wednesday. Mm -hmm. This was our great white hope that hopefully by Christmas, by January, 
we would be able to test 10 million people every single day so we could open up and live life as usual. And he actually turned around and said, I have no idea where you're getting the 10 million figure from. I mean, you wonder if he remembers saying these things. I mean, is he genuinely just a psychopath and he doesn't know? He just says things and there's absolutely no processing or any kind of cognizance of him actually saying words. I mean, is it just a series of words that he does? I, I, I don't know. But the thing is, that, that 10 million thing was, it was a plan. They had a whole yeah. plan. They released, they released uh, you know, you know, guides on it. They released uh, policy papers about it. It wasn't like it was just he made it off on the hoof. This no. was their genuine plan. And then they realized that, well, they got through that day because obviously he announced that the same day that the bill was going through the House of Commons that would potentially commit international or break international law. Yeah. So he needed a, a different headline for the following morning. Yes. Um, and it's like, well, we've done that now. We've said it. Mm-hmm. That, what else do you want us to do? You yeah. know, we've said it. That's all that matters. <laughs> Except he's now saying, I, I don't know where you got that from. Who said that? <laughs> Who said that figure? What, what are you talking about? Exactly. And do you know what? His, his approval rating is still at 42%. That's appalling. How can he have an approval rating of 42%? I don't 42% know. 42% of the public think he's doing a good job. Which, I mean, even like, I mean, that's the thing. We've got to the point where even Ed Miliband looked really good this week, yeah. like ripping Boris to shreds. I mean, I quite like Ed, I mean, Ed Miliband had an air of someone who didn't really care that much because he's not the leader anymore. He's got his own Reasons to Be Cheerful podcast that he does with Jeff Lloyd. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's not as, you know, maybe bothered as he was when he was the leader. But, you know, if he'd shown that level of kind of comedy and even passion when he was the leader, we wouldn't have got, like, David Cameron would never have got his majority in 2015, I don't think. The bacon sandwich thing, I know that kind of did derail him slightly, but he was really good this week, Ed Miliband. Mm. And that that bit where he said to Boris, I'll give way, go on, you tell me where it is in your agreement, like these things that you're worried about with Northern Ireland, you tell me, tell me, tell me, maybe I'm missing it. You're like, go on, I give way to the Prime Minister, you tell me where the legislation is. And Boris just sat there shaking his head. It was like, I, I don't have anything to say. I literally have nothing to say yeah. here. And he just looked and he just looked at the speaker and he was like, help me, just help me. I can't do this. There's nothing, I can't, there's no funny answer to this. I can't just, you know, make up an Operation Moonshot thing for this. Like, there, there is no answer. No. And he was exposed. And yet, like you say, over 40% of people polled still approve of Boris. I mean, it's, it's, we're, what is it? it's, it's almost like Trump. You're like, what does he have to do? He's exactly. been appalling for... Well, for his entire career, but certainly his handling of coronavirus and the Brexit negotiations has been, it's been dreadful. Yeah. And yet you hear people going on. There was somebody, it was David Gawk, of all people, yesterday, I think he tweeted that, you know, it's very fashionable to put the boot into Boris Johnson, but I actually think he's doing a good job. So, (laughs) I thought David Gawk was at least one of the kind of ones with a wee bit of integrity, but even he's coming out saying like, oh yeah, yeah, no, Boris has done a great job over this. So what what is he? I mean, what has he like in this year, um, with the whole just talking about COVID? What has Boris done that's been great? Well, can you think of one. Can you actually think of one thing he's done where you go like, oh, he did that really well. He handled that with aplomb. That was really good. In terms of making sure that his his uh, approval or his popularity was bombproof for at least two and a half, three months, he got COVID. That is true. And he also, you could say the other thing he did brilliantly was save his chief advisor's job. <laughs> he did that well. He and did. he also managed to get Land of Hope and Glory restored to the proms. So he did that well too. Oh, so if you're a fan of Land of Hope and Glory, then, you know, he, he did well for you. I had a fan and of Dominic, Dominic Cummings. If, if you are indeed Dominic Cummings or a fan of Dominic Cummings, then he did well for you as well. 
But apart from that, for the country, for the health, even the wealth, the economy, I mean... I know. I don't know. I mean, like they're now, and what they're now talking about doing is they're talking about the circuit breaker. I mean, I don't know if this is actually... Again, it's like the Operation Moonshot. Is it actually what they're planning to do? Or are they doing their usual... Somebody has, like, a source has fed this to the media and it's now circulating its way around everybody. But, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about this two-week circuit breaker lockdown. But they're going to wait until the end of October for the October holiday and have the school kids... They haven't announced this. But the suggestion is the school kids will get two weeks October holiday and the country, the whole of the UK, will go into, like, a, a lockdown. <laughs> but but I heard several medical people saying, if we wait until the end of October to try and deal with this, it'll be too late. Like, it, it won't work. That's another... You're, you're giving it another six weeks. Right now, they say the, the cases are doubling again every seven or eight days. If you wait another six weeks, you're back at kind of March, April levels of um, illness. Yeah. Plus, you're also in October when the hospitals are already stretched because of just seasonal things like flus and colds and chest infections. So, yes, yeah, it's... it's um, it's very worrying. Yeah, it's very worrying, and I don't think I've. I, I don't think I felt this grim back when things were grim in March and April. It just feels coming into this the winter. It just feels so grim, and think, no one's no one's no one's taking responsibility apart from obviously Bar- Baroness Diana Harding, who's doing a, a great job. And I think that that's the thing that's so upsetting. I think is that we're here where we are now because so many people have been bad at their jobs. Yeah. And the people who, through no fault of their own, I was, I was in Morrison's earlier on today. And um, I was just, you know, going about my business. And, and I did spot a few young white men without their masks on. Uh, but mo- for, most, for the most part, everyone was obeying it. And, and there was a couple of men stood, in a, stood at the end of an aisle uh, both with face masks on, probably not quite two meters apart, right enough, but both had their masks on, uh, and they were having a chat. And it was like this guy was like, "Yeah, I haven't worked in six months because of COVID." Wow. Uh, no, don't get me wrong. Probably on furlough, but mm-hmm. he's got another five weeks of that, and then he's off. And then, well, that's it. There's still not been. Any, I mean, yeah, we are five weeks away or six weeks away from furlough ending, and there are so many industries that have still not been given the green light to open up and will probably not open up anytime soon. I mean, the, the theatre industry, the children's entertainment industry, soft play, there, there are so many places yeah. that well, they, they can't open up just now while the social distancing measures are in place. And in fact, they're being told they can't open up. And yet the government is saying, no, no, the furlough has to end in October. We need to get things back to normal. But they're also in the other breath saying, these industries can't open up yet. Nightclubs <laughs> cannot open up. Soft plays cannot open up. Understandably, these things can't open up, but they're not offering any financial recourse for the people that are in those industries. And it's, uh, I don't know what they think. If they just ignore it, it'll just go away and people will just find other jobs. But I mean, there aren't lots of other jobs just now. And it's going to create a backlog in the universal credit system. And yeah. so there's that. I mean, that, you know, we're already on the precipice economically as a country. And if you're trying to get people to make sensible decisions with their health, withholding financial support does not help that. People are going to feel the financial necessity to go out and work when they probably shouldn't. People are maybe going to go and do riskier jobs when they probably shouldn't. And it's just, it's kind of terrifying. And the other big headline today, which is clearly designed to show who's boss and who's in charge and tough on crime and tough on the causes of crime, is the whole 
up to ten thousand pounds fine for those who do not self isolate. Yeah. Um, it's going to fines are going to start at a thousand pounds and then they're going to rise to ten thousand pounds for the most egregious non um, self isolators, which. I really, I mean, I haven't read the flying print of the detail, but I really don't understand how that works in the sense of how many times must somebody be tracked and traced and test positive for coronavirus to suddenly become an egregious non-self-isolator? Yeah. Like, surely, I mean, what are the chances that you decide not to self-isolate? You're wandering around. How many people know that you have to self-isolate other than the person who sent you the test results? Yeah, I mean, the police are going to get a list of everybody that tests positive with a photo. Uh, are we going to have to wear electronic tags if we test positive? Like, uh, who's going to yeah. catch us apart from maybe neighbours? Are there going to be, you know, like those wanted posters in Westerns? <laughs> Is there like, every week, are they going to put pictures of people that are meant to be isolating? And if you see them, you've got to gas them up. Yeah. Instead of Crime Watch, we're just going to have a photo montage for half an hour every night on the television after the, like at nine o'clock, where we, ha- where we see all the people that have tested positive today. We'll bring Nick Ross and Sue Cook back from retirement <laughs> yeah. and just do kind of, I don't know what you'd call that. Isolate watch or Isolate something rubbish watch. like that. Because the thing is, they're talking like, you know, all neighbours, you know, if your neighbours, you know. But to be fair, like, I think I might have said this previous on a previous podcast, I'm not sure. I've lived in this block of flats. There are only six flats in this block. Uh, I've lived here now for for getting towards two years. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know the names of any of my neighbours. Wow. The chances of me knowing whether they have tested positive for coronavirus or not. Mm. It's really rather slim. Is I take it the test and trace app, or whatever they're calling it, is not up and running in England yet. No, it's supposed to be next week, but they've been very quiet about it. Yeah, I, I would suggest that it's not going to happen next week. I mean, ours is Scotland's is going. We've had ours up and running for about a week, mm. and there's over a million folk have signed up to. I've, I've I did it the morning it came out. I just I put it on my phone. But again, there's a lot. Of, I've spoken to people who said, "Oh, I don't know. I don't really want to give my details to the government." I mean, the the app we're using doesn't have details at all. You don't give your name. You don't give your email address. It's purely based on your Bluetooth signal of your phone. Right. And if you were to come into contact with somebody for more than fifteen minutes who has tested positive, your app would get a message telling you that you need to isolate. So we, like, my wife and I both got a message on Friday. To say that we were safe this week and we hadn't come into contact with anybody, oh. but it didn't tell. It didn't. It didn't. It was. This was not to my email address. It was an in-app message. So you don't give your number. You don't give your email address. It's not an invasion of your privacy. Right. Um. As Nicola Sturgeon keeps saying, the more people buy into this, the more effective it becomes. Yeah. But she said once it went past about six hundred thousand downloads, she said that's the point where it starts to work. And it's now this morning, I think it was, because you can see in the app, it shows you how many people have joined it. Right. And it's something like nearly 1,100, 1.1 million people have now signed up. And it's only meant to be adults. So it doesn't have to be every single person in the country. Right. But, you know, you know, 1.1 million people, that's a big chunk of the adult population of Scotland has now signed up to use this. That's good. And given that we're now, we've been running this for nearly a week, and in England, you're probably looking at at least another week or two. It means that we are definitely ahead of the game. Yeah, and we'll also have to, there'll be ha- many, many more numbers we'll have to go for England because the population's so much bigger. And I think. Does Di, is, is Di don't get anything to do with that app oh, as well? Probably. Yeah. She's, got a, she's got a hand in every other pie somehow. Mm. What's she, I mean, apart from being the chief executive of T Mobile when 
there was a big scandal about data going to dodgy people and money going missing. What's she actually done to get all these top jobs? Um, she's married. Be to married a... to a Tory Tory donor? Yeah, perhaps? I think that might have something to do with it. Uh, yeah. um, I mean, she didn't. I mean, you know, but you should not judge books by covers, etc. But she was sat in front of that, and she did not radiate competence and power no. and expertise and being no. able to bring lots of people together to make stuff happen did she no she just sounded she was just she sounded like a defensive child yeah making up excuses for herself exactly and she didn't look she didn't you know you, you listen to some people experts and you think yeah i mean like see when whenever you heard somebody like chris witty or patrick valens talk you'd be like yeah you know what you're talking about i'm quite reassured but you know when Dominic Rab opens his mouth and starts talking about taking the knee being from Game of Thrones, you think, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. And that's, that, but Dido Harding very much falls into the Dominic Rab, Grant Schnapps kind of um, school of competence, I feel. I like the fact you always call him Grant Schnapps. I know, I know. I, I just like saying that. It's just because his, whenever I hear his, I know his name's not Schnapps. I know it's, it's Schnapps, but I like calling him Schnapps because it's nice to think of Pete Schnapps. <laughs> And I, I love that this is the first time you've mentioned it because every time I say it, I wait for you to go. That's not his name. Why do you call him that? <laughs> I just love it, and it's not. It's just. It's. I always like to try saying a slightly Germanic kind of schnapps. <laughs> I just think it's a fun thing to say, Grant Schnapps. Uh, so it's almost like you're starting to try and do a Sean Connery impression, but only when you. But only, it. only when I'm talking about the minister for public transport. <laughs> is it? Is he public transport? Just transport. Just transport, like public transport. Yeah, all transport. So whenever you drive, Grant Schnapps is in control of you. Well, he's in charge of the roads. Yeah. Which is scary. I think that is quite a, that explains all the potholes. Exactly. Dido Harding, and it's not necessarily her fault, although, I mean, who, who of us ever actually says, you know what, we've been promoted a book beyond our abilities? It takes an awful lot of, of, of sort of self awareness and courage to be able to admit that. But it's part of the whole British disease, I think, of. I mean, it's who you know, and it's who you know, Absolutely. and she's a safe pair of hands, and she won't, and she won't scare the horses, and she'll she'll be loyal, and she'll yeah. you know she'll work with us, and oh, she's a good laugh, and oh, she's on the jockey, she's a member of the jockey club, and she knows this yeah. person, and she knows that person, and Matt Hancock speaks really highly of her, and you know you met her over dinner, remember? She was she was a good laugh, she laughed at all your jokes, yeah. she didn't mind when you said that racist thing. Yeah. You know, just let's give her the job. And uh, she's like the she's like the female Chris Grayling. Yeah, I feel. she is. Like she just keeps getting really good jobs, really important jobs, despite being slightly seems seemingly anyway a bit inept and rubbish. Well, that's the thing is, it, it would be fine if like she'd started doing something like if she started doing something. You know, like the track test and trace system was working really well okay, well, let's make her in charge of the success of the Public Health England then. Because she's done such a really good job over here. So let's give her that job. It might be beyond her competence, but, you know, she's shown that she can rise to the She's region. got a track record, yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I just think that that's... But it's the same everywhere, really. We've got a Prime Minister who's been fired countless times for lying. Yeah. Uh, oh, we've know. still got an innocent woman in jail. How many years? Three, four years? Well, exactly. That's still, that's still ongoing this week. You know, let's um, be honest, by putting him in charge of the country, it's, made, it's less and less chance of her being able to be released because it's him that they have to deal with. Absolutely. Because no doubt, no doubt he would go to the courts and they would say, well, you made this comment. And he'd be like, well, I don't know where you get that information from. I didn't say that. 
know. Like you literally said it, got it, got it recorded. You saying that? And and, and oh. with every passing week, um, with every passing week that this is happening, you're getting more and more people becoming frustrated and angry, and because they're frustrated and angry with just their lives, because their lives mm. have. Co- I mean, if you think about it, in two thousand and. Nine in two thousand eight and nine, the credit crunch happened. So many people lost their jobs. Lots of people lost their savings. Uh, there was a whole, you know, the, the, they couldn't afford the houses. Houses got repossessed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the people who were responsible for that never got blamed. They got to keep their jobs. They got to keep their pet bonuses. Got to keep their pensions. It created a powder keg. Now that powder keg erupted in two thousand sixteen when we voted for the country voted for Brexit, and that was supposed to fix everything. Then we had three years of just constant culture wars, which Brexit was the height of, of, you know, leavers were moaners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But nothing got better. Nothing mm-hmm. got better because we didn't even get our independence from Brussels. So nothing has happened in the last 10 years for a whole swathe of the population who feel that the country doesn't work for them. Uh, and now you've got coronavirus and the coronavirus isn't getting better anytime soon either. And no. so as much as it horrified me to see those protests in Trafalgar Square of all those people in yeah. Trafalgar Square yesterday with no masks, protesting the idea of wearing masks, protesting about the, the idea that somehow this is all a massive, huge conspiracy. It horrifies me because obviously I'm looking at them thinking, how many of you are going to get Mm. You know, if just three or four of you have the virus, there's a good chance that by the end of the day, a vast number of you will have the virus. Yeah. Um, because obviously you're going to go home and you're not going to wear a mask when you go into Morrison's because that's the whole point of your protest. It's not wearing masks to a large extent. Um, but it, and so it horrifies me in that respect, but I can completely understand why they're there. Yeah, I can understand now. I think when they were protesting a few months ago, when it was still the height of lockdown, mm. I kind of had less sympathy. But now, I don't know if sympathy is the right word. I think it's more just empathy. Yeah. I can understand. I understand the frustration. I understand that people have, like you say, it's not just this year. People have been frustrated for 12 years now that things have not gone their way. And this just feels like another slap, another slap down, another reason that life is rubbish. And I do, I understand it. Completely understand it. And I understand people, you know, I said that last week, you get publicans coming on the telly saying, oh, the government's out to get us. And I understand why people maybe do start to feel like that. Because it's not just coronavirus. It's Brexit. It's the credit crunch. It's austerity for the last 10 years. There are so many reasons that it probably feels as if the country's getting you down. But yeah, like you said, Boris Johnson still has an approval rating of 42%. Exactly. What the hell? What the hell? But, but he also still has... I mean, and the, the, there's a rumblings, there's a slight yes. rumblings of the right wing newspapers going yeah, after yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's 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 low, but it has this last couple of certainly the last few days. There's been articles in the Telegraph and the Times where they're saying like, do you know what? Maybe Boris isn't the right guy to be prime minister right now. But the thing you know, is, like, well, take away take away the right now. Boris is not the right guy to be prime minister. But you know talk. what? All that happens is right. He's he, he's he, the somebody knifes him in the back in the Tory party. Which they always do eventually, not normally this quickly, but they always do eventually. You're not going to change anything because it's still the same cabal that's in charge. Yeah, they've got a majority of 80 seats. It is the same folk in charge. Dominic Cummings isn't going anywhere. No, because the other thing is, let's be honest, if this is the Tory party, they're 
they know what they're doing. If they get rid of mm. Johnson, Michael Gove is the next Prime Minister. Yeah, it's not going to be... Everyone's saying, oh, Rishi Sunak is going to be the next Prime Minister. It's going to be Michael Gove. It's going to be Michael Gove. Or Dominic Raab. It'll be one of these guys. Yeah. It'll be, or, 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 make you and I incredibly happy, Gavin Williamson, possibly. <laughs> Whoever it is, is part of the Brexiteer crowd who will keep Dominic Cummings there. And, it, you know, just... Take Mar- Mark Francois for Prime Minister. <laughs> Cutting off the head will not fix this because yeah, it's no. still going to be the same people in charge. Because all the people that you know, I mean, this is a very loose and relative term, but all the sensible heads in the Conservative Party left at the last general election. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, it, there's none of the, you know, the sort of the David Gox and the Amber Rudds of this world, who, by the way, were all still in power when things like the Windrush scandal came in. Yes. But. They, 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 they've gone. We're not getting somebody like that. Keir Starmer is a long way from Prime Minister uh, yeah. because of the, the way this country works. And it's just, it's not going to get any better. And that's the thing is we've got the thing that we, you know, the second wave apparently is coming. But an even, well, no, not an even bigger wave because it's probably just this, you know, the way this has gone with coronavirus, it might just be the same size of wave is no deal Brexit is coming too. And I don't know how a country deals with both of them at the same time. No. But they're going to try, because they keep saying, no, we're not putting it off anymore. We're definitely, everything's going to be finalised by the end of the year. And yet, it's just, oh, it's like a self-inflicted fatal wound. You're like, why are you doing this yourselves? What are you doing? Like, stop hitting yourself. It's like some kid hitting himself in the face. Like, why are you hitting yourself in the face? What are you doing? I know. And it's like, ah. the thing, I mean, we're not going to get, we're almost at the end now, listener, um, of, of what's been a quite an angry podcast, just because we we, yeah. we feel the same anger that, um, you know, lots of people in the country feel at the moment. But, um, you know, we keep on saying, we keep on hearing stories, you know, in the newspapers, on the radio, everywhere, basically saying, well, the EU aren't playing fair. As mm. if somehow they owe us the yeah. fact that, you know, we we are going for the best possible result we can get, the best possible Brexit deal we can get, as if the EU aren't going to do that for themselves. Well, I mean, yeah, they're all, they keep saying the EU aren't playing fair. This is the side who came to the agreement and are now saying, yeah, that agreement we made is rubbish. I don't even recognise that. I don't even remember some of this. Yeah. And yet, it's the EU that aren't playing fair. You know, Boris bragged about this wonderful deal. You know, I know they keep talking about his oven-ready deal that he said he had, but he kept, he kept going on about this deal. It's in the bag. It's all great. We're really happy with it. You know, everything's going to be fine. And then suddenly, you know, well, we didn't understand the deal. The deal wasn't very good. Yeah. And then it's, well, the EU aren't playing ball. No, no, I'm sorry. When you've got people in it, when you've got um, the head of Congress and you've got the potential next president saying, we're not going to deal. There's going to be no trade deal with you, the UK if they renege on what they've done yeah, and they renege on the Good Friday Agreement and they break international law. I just, I don't see how anyone can think. I know there'll be some very Brexit people will be like, well, that's us showing it to the bureaucrats. We're just taking back control, you know, to hell with the law. But how is that good for trying to get a trade deal with another country when they see, well, they, you know, this yeah. country did a deal with the EU and then a few months later, told them they weren't going to go with the deal. They'd actually signed and agreed and negotiated themselves. Oh, it's such a bad look. It's a bad look. I know. It's a very bad look. Uh, but we're going to leave it there, listener, on a, on a bad look note. Um, Absolutely. I'm desperately trying to think of something 
fun and glorious. Um, David Tennant in in that serial killer drama of in ITV this right. week was absolutely superb. Haven't haven't watched it yet. It's on my Sky Plus recording, so I will get to that. It's a bleak watch, but he was absolutely superb. I mean, it kind of suits the mood. <laughs> I watched after I spoke to you last week to cheer myself up. I finally watched the history of David Copperfield. Oh, which I found to be an incredibly cheering um, two hours. Yes. And I might almost feel tempted to watch it again this afternoon, just because I feel the same today as I did last Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think... That's a very good film. I think one of the things is, yeah, I think we've been awfully... Well, we've not been down on Britain and the British people, I don't think, in this podcast. But I think we're a bit frustrated with our leaders. But what that that amazing film shows, and it is an amazing film, is that, well, the source material is by a bona fide genius in Dickens. And then you've got this wonderful director and and adapter in in Amanda Iannucci who for 30 years has been making certainly me and you laugh um, Mm. and lots of other people too. Um, And then you've got this wonderful array of British acting and it was all filmed in Britain so all the British technicians and all that. that. But Britain is quite a phenomenally brilliant country. It's capable of much more than it's currently being allowed to be capable of. It's inept and crap leaders so it does it, you watch that and you think do you know what if you had somebody with Armando Nierucci's mind running the country we would be in a much better place than we currently are Yeah. so there is always hope there is always hope there is still hope and on that note that's a great note to leave it on so Absolutely. before we think of anything else to say that might bring us back down again um, have a wonderful week listener hopefully something good will happen absolutely we'll see you next week guys bye bye everyone bye bye